So you may remember back last fall, we had a guest speaker. His name was Bobby Petroselli. Bobby is with us again this morning. He's got an amazing message. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're going to have hope. All right. This is, this is a man of God. I, I uh, have seen what he's done. He goes to schools all across the country. He goes to high schools, to middle schools. He'll talk to major league sports teams. He's He's just got a message of the Holy Spirit and a message of the Lord that is, is for this hour. It's for us today. Um, his, if you recognize the name Petroselli, it's not lost on us that his uncle is a very famous Red Sox, uh, Rico Petroselli. He's a Red Sox Hall of Famer. Um, Bobby aspired to, to, like, you know, be another baseball player. He can tell the story, but, like, he's, he's not, okay? He didn't make it. <laughs> but Bobby is here this morning. Would you give him a warm welcome as he comes to minister? Thanks, Bobby. Thank you, Pastor Greg. I want to start off by saying thank every one of you for being here this morning. It's something I say all the time in church. You did not have to come, and you chose to come. And I'm honored that you're here this morning, especially over the last two years. The fact that you have persevered through some of the craziest times in our nation is absolutely amazing. And I am honored and I am proud of every single one of you and honored to share my heart with you. I have to obey what Pastor Greg had shared with me. He said, Bobby, please remember the 10th beatitude before you preach. And it goes something like this. Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back. I'm honored to be here. I now live in Florida, but I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn in the house. I always tell people, if you ever go to Brooklyn, bring a camera. Because you'll see things in Brooklyn, I promise, you will never see again in your life. First thing, your camera. <laughs> Growing up in Brooklyn, I grew up with two wonderful parents. Dad's Italian. Mom is Swedish. You're looking at the original Swedish meatball, just so you know it. <laughs> but I think the word got out, because most of you people are sitting off on the side in the back. Why? Like all Italians from Brooklyn, I spit when I talk. That's why we talk with our hands to catch all the spit before it hits everybody. No, I have no family in the mafia. And yes, I do have a cousin, Vinny, just so you know it. And to let you know about us Italians who grew up in Brooklyn, dad was Catholic. Mom actually went to a Pentecostal church, so I actually put them together. And I grew up going to an Italian Pentecostal church. As a kid, majority of the people in the church were Italian. And the way we would go into the streets and evangelize and tell people about Jesus is here's what we would do. We would share Jesus with people. And then after we shared it with people, we made it very clear. We would say, listen, either you accept Jesus right now or we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. But growing up in Brooklyn, I wanted to be like Uncle Rico. I go out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, play major college baseball at a Christian university called Oral Roberts University. As Pastor Greg alluded to, I couldn't hit the curveball, even though we were number one in the nation, but I did get an education. I crammed a four-year college education into six years. <laughs> My first major in college was French. Imagine a guy from Brooklyn teaching French, Italian guy. Hey, yo, parlez-vous Francais. My second major, underwater basket weaving, no future in it. I tell people I graduated college in the top 10% of the bottom 10% of my class. My friends graduated college with honors, magna cum laude, summa cum laude. I graduated, thank you, Lord. I was happy to get out. Started my senior year of college. A buddy of mine introduced me to a beautiful woman from Texas. Her name is Ava. He said, if you and Ava get together, you'll have a great relationship. How am I getting along with a girl from Texas? We talk different. I say, use guys. Ava says, y'all, we ever have children, they're going to say, y'all. <laughs> Within a year after I graduate college, I get engaged to Ava. I moved to Texas. I'm working as a teacher and a coach. The scariest thing when I ever got engaged, I picked up that 20-pound dictionary. We didn't have no Google Chrome. I had to look up the word engaged. I wanted to know what I was getting into. No joke. The actual definition of engaged in the dictionary reads... To do battle with the enemy. What? I figured I might as well go all the way. I look up the word mother-in-law. Big star next to it says, see the word engage. No, I'm just kidding. 
Ava and I engaged a year later. We're married. We're married two years, three months, moving up first house, home of my dreams. I'm in the house for several months. This one Thursday night, I traveled 90 miles to almost 100 miles one way to coach in a football game. What? Every school in Brooklyn's 90 seconds away. I'm traveling 90 to 100 miles away. No joke. I'm coaching high school football. In front of 5, 10, 15, 20, 25,000 fans showed up to a high school football game in Texas. Never saw anything like it. Not like Brooklyn. I played my high school football in Brooklyn in front of 20 fans. But they were faithful. They came on the field and beat up our opponents after the game. (laughs) Some of you love football. I love football. But my high school football team, we were tough. We played no games. As soon as we sacked the quarterback, we went in the stands and sacked his family. We got to the root of the problem. I get home this Thursday night. Ava, I had taught her, I'm not being rude, how to cook Italian food. 11.30 at night, I devour two and a half bowls of pasta, half a dozen meatballs. She talks to me a little, goes to bed, crawling to bed next to her 20 minutes later, kiss her on the cheek, tell her I love her. Notice there's moonlight on the ceiling. Once a month, the full moon's lined up behind my house, shining moonlight on the ceiling. Doesn't get any better than this. I'll be honest, I'm a married Christian man, moonlight on the ceiling. I know what's important to me. Forget the romance. I'm a man. I throw both of my hands and make animal figures on the ceiling. (laughs) After my last who knows what, I check on Ava. She's out like a light. I close my eyes. I wake up one hour later. Instead of being in my bed or my bedroom, I'm sitting in the dining room window, which is the next room over. Looking for more pasta. Three bowls were not enough. Starting our breakfast at 1230 in the morning. Sleepwalking. I go to get off the ledge. I can't budge or move. I feel I'm pinned up into the window by the dining room table. I'm thinking, that's weird. I reach out to touch the table. It's hot to the touch. I'm thinking, did we leave the pasta or the sauce on the table? Oh, my gosh. What is that smell coming out of the kitchen area? Did we leave it on the stove? And there's like a haze of fog and a smoke all around me. And to the right of me is a very bright light, which I'm feeling like the moon is sitting in my dining room and living room area. Literally, that's what I felt. And I begin to wave my arms to clear up this haze, this fog, and this smoke. And I now realize the light to the right of me is not from the moon. Before I continue, how many have ever heard the expression, take life one day at a time? Raise your hands. If you follow sports at all, how many have ever heard the expression, play the game or participate in that sporting event one game at a time? Raise your hands. Do me a favor. If you don't hear anything else I say today, at least take this to heart. Take those two phrases and never believe them again. I want one person who follows sports to show me how an athletic event takes place one game at a time. And I'll show you how every athletic event takes place one play at a time. And every play has the possibility to change the outcome, the direction, and the momentum of that game. Every play matters. Well, guess what? Life is no different. I don't know who came up with take life one day at a time. Life doesn't happen one day at a time. It happens one moment, one choice, one decision, one action, one reaction, one feeling, one word. And every single moment matters because every single moment is building patterns, habits, and routines that eventually lead to success or eventually lead to failure. Unless it's a so-called act of God, every single thing that happens in this world happens because of a choice and a decision that somebody has made. Let me make it really clear. And I really love Pastor Greg and the worship team. I I could be in the presence of God all day long. Galatians teaches very simply, God will not be mocked. What you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow in the spirit, you reap life. If you sow in the flesh, you reap corruption. Everything in your life and my life is one of two things. It's real simple. It's of the spirit or it's of the flesh. And the more I'm in the spirit, the better I'm going to do. The more I'm led by the Spirit, the better I'm going to do. The more the flesh gets in the way, which every person in this room, the flesh will get in the way somehow, some way, every day. That's why I always say to people, I'm not being rude and I'm going to pick on Pastor Greg. He did nothing wrong, I promise. If somebody came up to me and said, wow, could you believe Pastor Greg? He's the pastor and he said that or he did that. You know what I'm going to say? Absolutely. And they're like, what? He's supposed to be a Christian. He's supposed to be perfect. Really? Show me one perfect person on the face of this earth. The reality is this. Every once in a while, even us as believers, the flesh may get in the way for the moment. And I'm going to get to that in a moment, really, the depth of why it goes that path. But the more we understand the power of every moment, 
and what God gives to us and who you and I are today is because of every choice, decision, action, and reaction that has happened in your life or that you have made or has been made for you. We are who we are today because of everything from the past that led us up to this moment. Who we are from this moment forward is how we respond, maybe even to what you hear today or what's going on in your life. Here's the reality. It's never too late to change. It's never too late to get on the right path. For instance, if I want to go out that door and God is leading me that way, and all of a sudden I choose to go this way, all it is is one moment, one step, one choice to get back on that path. That's all it is. It's not this big overdrawn thing. How I wish the light to the right of me really was from the moon. I've shared this story. There's so many times I want to, want to even talk about it, but God keeps on putting it on my heart because of what people say to me and kids in the schools. The light to the right of me was from a full-size F-150 Ford pickup truck parked in the middle of my house. A drunk driver lost control of his truck, crashed through my house, ran over me completely. I ended up in the dining room window. It wasn't until I got to the hospital later that night at 24 and a half years old that I find out that my wife Ava did not make it, that my wife Ava was killed. My life was changed in one moment. Physically, nothing happened to her. I was sleeping five feet from the wall. But you know what? God does not bring evil and bad into this world according to John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to give life and life more abundantly. God's not a schizophrenic God. Oh, I'm God. I'm going to be part of the Hurtem and Healer ministry. Let me punch you in the face and then I'll heal you. Really? No. There's things in this world we don't understand. That's why the word of God even says we see through a glass darkly. But once we get there, we will know all things as they have been known. But the reality is that's really where faith kicks in. Is when we don't understand all things, we're able to go in that direction. Well, let me say this to you. God knows what we need when we need it. And the more I'm tuned into the spirit, I'm going to experience that. The day I was burying my wife, besides family and friends that showed up at the church and then the cemetery, after the tail end of a hurricane that hit the Houston, Texas area, on that same day, 1,150 students, every high school student from Santa Fe High School showed up to the church and the cemetery. Every teacher, coach, counselor, administrator, there was one person left at the high school, the principal. It was an official school day. And then I went back in the hospital for 23 days. Those kids took over that hospital 24 hours a day and their actions screamed out two words to me, coach, you matter. We're sorry that this happened to you, but you matter, and we're not going to let you give up, and you matter. So you know what I've been doing for the last 30 years? I've just been returning the favor to let everybody on the face of this earth know how much they matter. Well, check this out. Put that first picture up of Jesus on the cross. I had this designed, if you could read his arms, and if I could take John 3.16 and give you the greatest understanding of John 3.16. Could I ask you something very simply? By the way, your music and your worship is amazing. If that blouse was only worth 20 bucks, you're going to go out and spend $5,000 on it? I don't think so. You think God's going to spend more on you than you're worth? Absolutely not, but bear with me. You mattered so much to God that all the money in the world, all the jewels, all the gold, all the rubies, all the diamonds could not restore you to who you were created to be. It took the death the burial, and the resurrection of his son. Because let me tell you straight up, if you were not of great value, then the death of Jesus Christ is the biggest joke and mockery in the history of the world. Why would God send his son to die for a piece of junk? You matter so much to God. That's what this world needs to know. So when I approach people, I want them to know how treasured and valuable they are before I get into their behavior and their lifestyle and what's going on in their world. Jesus earned the right to speak into the lives of people by how he treated them. You know what the word says? Because he first loved me, I could love him. He treasures us. Christianity is not a one-sided relationship. God is pursuing you. You see, every person in this room has one thing in common. We've been hurt, we've been broken, we've been wounded, we've been rejected, we felt unloved, unaccepted, unincluded somewhere in life. 
I ask people all the time, what's the gospel of Jesus Christ? The number one thing I get nine out of ten times, Jesus died for my sins. No, that's not the only thing he did. Yes, he died for my sins. But he also died to heal my broken heart. That's why Jesus fought with the Pharisees and Sadducees. The first thing they were going after was the sin and behavior of people. No, he didn't condone it. But he said it's the sick that need a physician. These are hurting, broken people. Think about this. Why would all the so-called rejects of the time, the outcast who ran away from every religious person, run and flock to Jesus because his words, his message, his love was different. Every person in this room has been hurt and wounded and broken. Jesus has come to heal the brokenness. So let me make it clear for you. Every once in a while, a baby lamb is born where the mother sheep pushes it away. The shepherd, and I'll underline the word shepherd six million times. The shepherd takes the baby lamb, brings it back to the mother. She rejects it. Constantly he brings it back. The mother rejects it. Finally, the shepherd brings it in the house, raises it in himself. When that baby lamb is old enough that he believes he brings it back to the mother. You know what happens? The mother receives it. You know what just happened to that baby lamb, sir? It got born again. It got restored to who it was initially created to be. That's what God wants to do with everybody in this room and everybody's heart. So you know how valuable and treasured you are. Let me tell you what's so awesome about Mother's Day. You know what I consider women in this world and Jesus coming into this world, the greatest comeback of all time. Okay, bear with me. If we go to Genesis, I'm not being rude, but Eve was deceived. And then Eve passed that on to Adam. Check this out, ladies. God didn't even use a man to bring his son into this world because he wanted women to know how vital and precious and incredible they are. And they're not going to carry that burden of what Eve did or did not do. They're going to carry the goodness and the glory and the greatness of God because every single one of you matter. Every person in this room matters. Everybody say to me these words, I matter. You matter. We matter. To God. Say it like you're from Brooklyn, New York. Yous matter. To God. Say it like you're from the South. Y'all matter. To God. Say it like you're from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yins matter. To God. Everybody needs to know how precious and valuable and amazing and incredible and awesome. You are priceless. You are one of a kind. You are irreplaceable. So you know what I say, sir, to my audiences all over America? Will you be you? Because everybody else is already taken. Don't be mad at me what I'm about to say. But I'm real grateful that Tom Brady plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) But let me tell you something. You know, my greatest respect for Tom Brady is one thing. He understands, I'm not being arrogant. He is worthless as a quarterback if it's not for his offensive linemen that take care of him. His receivers that catch the ball. He's phenomenal. We know that. But he understands the magnitude of the team. Tom Brady reaches in his own pocket and takes care of his offensive linemen because he knows without them, he can do nothing as a quarterback. When I used to coach football, uh, Greg, Every time my quarterbacks got a little cocky and arrogant, I pulled my offensive lineman over. I said, listen, you're not blocking for him on the next play. Let's see how good he is without you. The ball is snapped. My lineman would fold their arms. The quarterback runs off the field. Time out. Hello, John, what do you want to tell the fellas? I know, coach, I'm sorry. It ain't about me. It's about we. Number two. Let me make this clear. And Pastor alludes to this, and I'm so awesome that he does. And I'm so proud of the worship team. In his presence is the fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. What's awesome about people of the Old Testament are things they did, but bear with me. They didn't even have the Holy Spirit living in them. We got the greatest power in the universe living inside of us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. And the word of God says as clear as day, and I look in the mirror before anybody else on this one. Greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. And you already have that spirit living in you. That's why Jesus had to leave. Could you imagine they're with him for three and a half years? He dies. He raises again three days later. And after 40 days, see you fellas, got to go. No, you can't. He said, if I don't go, I can't send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. 
So everything that David pursued, Abraham pursued, Isaac pursued, we got it in us. Let me make it clear for you. You don't go to the gym to find a muscle. You go to the gym to develop the muscle you already have. The reality is developing what we already have, practicing his presence, allowing his presence to stand in us, to pour out of us, to renew our mind, restore our soul, heal our mind, body, soul, and spirit. The greatest power is in us. Sir, could I ask you a question? Is this your wife? I just want to make sure. One time I said that, the guy goes, no, that's my sister. My wife's sitting over there, so I just want to make sure. So watch this. From this moment forward, you are never, ever again in the history of your life or her life allowed to be with her in person. Bear with me. You can get an email, a text message, or a voicemail message from her. You can't even talk on the phone. What kind of relationship are you going to have? Not very good. Um, I was in Miami, Florida, a thousand people in the church I preached at. I said to a guy like that, the exact word he used was, I don't know if I should say it, you might get mad at me. He said, my relationship would suck. That's what he said. That was his words in the church. So watch this. Most of the church world, and I had to learn this for myself. You know what their relationship with God is? An email, a voicemail, and a text message. They read the Bible. It's important. Don't get me wrong. They do a Christian Bible study. They read a Christian book. They hear a sermon. Those are all great, but guess what? They're secondary to be still and know that I'm the Lord. My sheep know my voice. Well, watch this. Remember I just mentioned about the bummer sheep that gets born again? You know what happens every time the shepherd comes out to the flock and calls to the sheep? The very first sheep that run to the shepherd are the bummer sheep because they know the name and they know the voice of the one who healed, delivered, and restored them. That's why my sheep know my voice. I always say to people, before you open the written book of God, read it. Yes, please. But have that be still and know that I'm the Lord time. However that looks for you, sir, may not be the same for me, may not be the same for my brother here. Find that time where you can just sit and relax and worship in your own way in his presence and hear his voice. You know what, God, I said to me recently, I'm listening to my favorite song. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. That was pretty good. Give me a little credit for that, right? <laughs> Don't worry, I won't sing. No, I won't go down that path. But here's the deal. This is the honest truth. When I got to the point, pastor of the song, I'm desperate for you. I felt the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God say to me as clear as day, no, Bobby, I'm desperate for you. One time I'm saying and I'm praying, I go, God, I just love you dearly. And I felt the Lord say to me as clear as day, Bobby, I love you dearly. And thank you for wanting to serve me and bring my kingdom to this world. It is not a one-sided relationship where we're pursuing him and his arms are folded unless we do X, Y, and Z. He loves us dearly. So I ask people all the time, sir, do you have any children? Is there anything on this earth that your kids could ever do that you're done with them, you're finished with them, you never want to have a part in their life ever again? Is there? What? No. Oh. So you love your kids more than God loves us because that's how we've packaged him. No. He's always pursuing us. But guess what? You're not going to put one of your kids on the cross to die for anybody, and I'm not being arrogant. God is pursuing you because he treasures you always. Revelations 3.20. I stand at the door and knock. Watch this. You know how we pray many times, brother? This is what God's showing me. Here's how we pray, and I'm paraphrasing. Oh, God, I pray that you come to the door of my house and knock on the door, and God's going, what are you talking about? I'm already at the door knocking. Every area of your life, God is already there knocking. You know my prayer for every person in this room is? Lord, may every person in this room be sensitive to your voice, to your leading, and to your spirit so they know what door to open, when to open it, and how to open it. Because the Spirit will always lead us into truth, righteousness, and understanding. Well, watch this. We've all been through some hard times. That's why God gives us the Holy Spirit called the Comforter. Brother, could you put that next picture up on the screen? This is one of my favorite things in the world. This is where the Oklahoma City bombing took place in 1995. That's what's called the Weeping Jesus. His back is to the Oklahoma City bombing site. In front of him are the names of everybody who passed away and died. Why would God tell you to mourn with those who mourn, but he's not going to mourn with us when we've gone through some heartache and tough times? 
Well, then he would be a hypocrite if he tells you to do something and he's not going to do it himself. He treasures you. He adores you. He wants you to know he's there to comfort you. He knew in the middle of what I was going through, the only way I could get through it is that somehow, some way, whether it's those students or family and friends and people who said, we don't understand all things, but we still want to show you how much we love you, Bobby, and we're here for you. Here's the analogy. See this bag? This represents our hurt, our pain, and our brokenness. This phone represents you and me. It's a smartphone, okay? I don't know why I have a smartphone. I'm not very smart at handling it. Trust me. I ask kids in schools every day, uh, can you help me with this? I'm a little lost. No joke. My cousin Lily, my older cousin Michael Petroselli, his daughter Lily's in high school in Merrimack. For two weeks, I'm taking a picture with my phone, and it's like this huge countdown. Why is it doing that? I give it to Lily. Two seconds later, it's back to normal. Because I don't know what I'm doing, so watch this. If I take the cell phone and I put it in the bag, is it still a cell phone while it's in the bag? Yes, but here's the kicker. Is it being used for the purpose it was created to be used for while it's in the bag? You know the enemy's greatest goal? Is to keep you in the bag as long as he can. Because he knows if you're in the bag, you're not going to walk in the fullness of who you've been put on this earth to be. I use the analogy. When my Uncle Rico played professional baseball for the Boston Red Sox, and I was a Red Sox fan, of course, in New York City, fighting every day. His first at bat in the major leagues in the early 60s, he struck out. Could you imagine if he listened to the voice that was speaking to him and said, Rico, what are you doing? You're not good enough to play Major League Baseball. You struck out. How good are you? You first step back, forget it. You stink. Really? I'm glad he didn't listen to that voice because as a little seven, eight-year-old boy in 1969, he had 40 home runs. I remember listening to him hit his 40th home run. 40 home runs to set the record for American League shortstops. The point I want to get at is how many of us in this room, as Pastor was even sharing earlier, that was sometimes afraid to step forward. What does it hurt to take a step and it's not the way you're supposed to go and then go back? God still loves you, okay? I always say to my own family, my own kids, my own friends, my own close people, what does it hurt to knock on the door and the door never gets open? You're not in any different position than you were before you ever knocked, but suppose that door does open. When I started speaking, that's why I treasure and love special needs kids. Oh my gosh. I tell people this all the time. You want to see Jesus not work in my life? Pick on a special needs person in my presence. I'm going to ask Jesus to get out of my life for five minutes. We're going to have a major conversation. Pastor might have to pull me back because I want to lay hands on him and prayer has nothing to do with it. (laughs) My favorite shirt I wear for those with Down syndrome, I love my homies with extra chromies, just so you know it. I treasure them. I'm speaking today because the last school I was at as a full-time teacher, coach, and guidance counselor in Virginia... In the early 90s, I hired all my special needs kids. And in two summers, they mailed out 35,000 brochures to let people around this nation know that Bobby wants to come and speak and minister in their churches, their schools, and their organizations. I treasure them because all are created in God's image. None of us are perfect, but we all matter to God. And last but not least, unity of the body. The enemy's greatest goal is to bring division because he knows the power of unity. That's why he started the Tower of Babel because he knew he could reach heaven. That's what God even said. Nothing's impossible when man comes together. That's why he changed your languages. Even for evil, unity can bring evil about. You know what the word says? Evil abounds when righteous men and women do nothing. We have the greatest power in us. The greatest power wants to empower us to be and do all that we can. And I want to encourage people to practice their presence. But here's the key. What's your favorite sports team? Just one team, your favorite team. Okay. Yins like them. (laughs) My whole family grew up in Pittsburgh before they actually moved to New York. Okay. Um, My favorite one stop that I make all the time is in the Strip District, Promanti Brothers, just so you know that. Okay. Well, anyway, real quick question. Is everybody on the Pirates the same height and weight? Everybody on the Pirates the same ethnicity or skin color? Everybody on the Pirates have the same parents? Everybody on the Pirates married to the same, well, we hope they're not, but are they married to the same person? Do they have the same children? Come from the same part of the country? Same part of the state? Same part of the world? No, but they're all on the same team. For one common goal. You know the one prayer of Jesus that has not been answered? Father, May my body be one as you and I are one, that your glory would be revealed. 
We, did, we argue, the church argues over, oh, you believe in raising your hands? I don't. You believe in worshiping the way you do? Uh-uh, I have to sing a hymnal. Bear with me, I'm not being rude. Oh, you believe in the gifts of the Spirit of speaking in tongues or whatever? Oh, but I don't. Oh, wait a minute. Time out. We're either for the kingdom or against it. I don't have to agree with everybody, but I'm either on the team or I'm not on the team. You know as well as I do, there's going to be conflict on the Pittsburgh Pirates, on the Boston Red Sox, and the New York Yankees, on the Tampa Bay Rays. It's going to be there. But if we focus on what is the common goal, the common goal is to bring the hope, the love, and the healing power of Jesus Christ to the hurting of this world. Before I close with one last story. I will be in the back. I will turn it over to the pastor after I pray over you and share this one last story. I brought some of my books, You Matter, It Doesn't, leaving your it behind. When you and I live in our past, remember these words. That which is hidden cannot be healed. When we don't deal with something, it doesn't go away. Don't let the pain of the past or the fear of the future stop you from being present in the present. The enemy wants to keep us living in the past, keep us living in our mistakes, their history, they're over. We can't change it. Right now it's 1032. We don't have 1030. It's over. It's history. We don't have 1040. We're not there yet. All we have is this present moment. I don't sell them, but would I take donations for them? And you know what I do with the money? For 14 years with Life Outreach, I've been part of rescuing over 250,000 kids sold into the sex trade and human trafficking. They were the first Christian, non-Christian organization to do it. I also brought some wristbands. Feel free. So let me close with one last story. The other day, I'm at one church doing a night program, and this precious little girl named Anna in sixth grade comes up to me, and she's crying hysterical. And she goes, Mr. Bobby, nobody ever told me that. Not even the people who adopted me. I was adopted, and I never felt I mattered, or my birth mother didn't love me enough. Why would she give me up for adoption? And you made it so clear that my birth mother loved me so much, she knew she couldn't give me the life that I deserved, so she gave me to a family that would love me. And I never realized that I mattered so much. Well, I'm Italian. I lost it. I'm crying hysterical in front of this precious girl. My cousin Michael's standing there. He's crying hysterical. Pastor Kevin was crying because he was part of that night because that precious girl finally felt she mattered. And she wasn't defined by the fact that she was being adopted. She was defined by being a daughter and a child of the Most High God, created for a purpose that nobody else has. So let me wrap it up by saying this. When you see the weeping Jesus, Jesus knows what you have been through. His greatest goal this morning is to bring healing to your spirit, healing to your soul, healing to your mind, and healing to your body. Whatever you are battling with this morning, I have never walked in your shoes. I do know this. In this world, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. In this world, offenses are inevitable. Forgiveness is optional. In this world, change is inevitable. Growth is optional. I had to forgive a man who killed my wife and no, that did not condone the wrong he did. That set me free. I've never seen a family, a marriage, a relationship ever get better when unforgiveness is at the center. That's why the Lord says, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. That's why the Lord says, forgive, or otherwise you can't walk in my forgiveness. Don't be easily offended. I can't do any of that very simply apart from the Holy Spirit. And the more I tune into the Spirit, the better I'm going to be and do. So listen, I'm not ashamed. I'll be the first one to stand up here to say every day the word says, take up the cross daily and follow me. Crucify the flesh daily because the Lord knows the enemy wants to constantly raise up and bring up my fragmented broken pieces. Until the church knows the wholeness and the fullness and the wellness of who they are and created in God, we're going to have a harder time bringing that to the world. I want to say this to every person in this room, please. If you're battling anything, spirit, mind, soul, or body, and you need a moment right now for all of us to agree with you, I'm going to ask you to please do me a big favor. If you've never opened up your heart to God, I'm going to ask you all to do me a big favor. Because I know whether it's you or somebody in your family could be struggling, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. Just stand right where you're at. Do not worry about anybody else. Stand where you're at. Stand in the gap for somebody else then. 
if everything's perfect in your world. That's okay. I don't mean that rude. Stand for somebody else. And whether you're standing or sitting, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Take one hand and raise it as a form of surrender. And it's almost like a little child. Dad, God, my father, please, I want to jump up on your lap. But say these words with me, please. Dear God, thank you that I matter to you. That you would send Jesus for me. And Jesus came to heal my broken heart. To forgive me of my sins. To give me a sound mind. To restore me to who he created me to be. His resurrection is a symbol of who he came to be and who he is today. I want to be who he made me to be and be that light, that hope, and that healing for the hurting of this world. Thank you, Jesus, that I matter to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for living in me. Have your way. I turn my will to you because you have the best for me and my family. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a big hand, would you? I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Greg. Amen. That's such a great message that we matter to God. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross for, for something that wasn't worth it. Right, Each one of us matters to God. If, if you're here this morning and, and you heard Bobby's message and maybe you felt like, you know what, I don't know that I have the relationship that he's talking about. Right? I, I, maybe that doesn't make sense to you. Maybe you don't understand. Um, we've got a book that we give away here. I'd love to give it to you if you come see me after service. It's called Living in Christ because being in a relationship with God is, is more than just a prayer. It's, it's something that we get into his presence. But you know, I, I like to say, how do you know if you're married? Well, you know if you're married because you had a wedding day, right? If You'll know if you're in relationship with God because there would have been a time in your life that you prayed to give your life to God. If you've never experienced that before, please come see me afterwards. I'd love to give you this book. I'd love to talk more about it. So let's stand as we close in prayer together. Thank you, God, for, for your work today. Lord, thank you for Bobby and his message that we matter. Lord Jesus, I pray for each one here, especially the moms. Lord, we honor them. We're, we're so thankful for them. Lord, thank you for, for the prayers of, of my mom. Thank you for the prayers of each mom. Lord, and, and I agree with the prayers of the moms. Lord, some of them answered, some of them unanswered. Some of them, Lord, you know, God, the depths that, of their sorrow and, and how they've cried out to you. But God, I, I agree with them in Jesus' name that you're coming for their prayers, God. And you're going you're gonna to minister life. You're going to minister wholeness. Lord, thank you for each answered prayer. Thank you for each unanswered prayer because it allows us to keep coming into your presence. So we give you praise today. We pray a blessing over each mom. Lord, thank you for each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here and you'd like prayer, please come forward. If you're online, please email us at prayer at shallowcommunity.church. We'd love to pray for you. So Bobby's got a table. Moms, if you're here, we've got a gift for each mom here on your way out. Thanks so much. God bless.